This is Bibliovile, a bi-weekly podcast where a married couple get each other the worst books that they're given by their friends, I guess. it's It shifts a lot. Just roll with it. For this episode of Bibliovile, Mick read Jamaica Me Dead by Bob Morris, and I read The Grimrose Path by Rob Thurman. It's the Bob and Rob Show! The Bob and Rob Show! Welcome to Bibliovile. My name is Mick Dickinson. I am the co-host of this podcast. And I'm Susan Dickinson, the other co-host. There are two co-hosts, hence the name co-host. Indeed. Uh, If you have never listened to Bibliovile before, I congratulate you on finding the weirdest niche podcast that you can lord over your friends. Uh, In this podcast, the usual, although it has been like... It's been a while since the usual. As Stained would say. It's been a while. Uh, since the usual, we are supposed to have gone to the Iowa City Public Library, found the worst books we could find in every stack, judging by cover, back text, what we see in the text alone, and then give the other one the book, not hear a single word about it, make the other one give us a book report on it. It's quite good fun. You might be asking, why not get each other good books? And well... If you try to get good books and fail, it's really insulting. Like, yeah. you get a bad book and you get a bad book. Holy cow, have you just gotten a bad book, mon frere. Also, that was so four episodes ago. Just yeah. go back and listen. Catch up. Good book. T- it's like Christmas. <laughs> so this episode was a little different, as Mick mentioned. Um, we have been doing this podcast for so long now and have talked about it so often to all of our friends and loyal listeners that... Uh, they it better is, be one and the same. So it, it has actually started seeping into all aspects of our life. And as a Christmas gift from our friends Jake, hey Jake, and Amy. Hey Amy. I don't know if you listened to this, yeah. but hey Amy. Hey in the um, car while you're riding with Jake, Amy. They actually got us a box full of terrible books for Christmas as a Christmas gift. And we decided for this episode that we would break out two of those books and mine, at least, was doozy. Yes, mine mine fulfills a bibliovile quandary that we might have had for a while now, but never really had to run into. But before we get into it, I'm I'm afraid I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fill my path. So I'd like to get a new segment started. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, what dreams you having? What dreams am I having? Yeah, what dreams? Well, you you might remember this because I think it it involved I, you. I do. Whoa, hey, hey. Well, no, not that kind of dream that Aww. involves you. The other day, I woke up in the middle of the night and I was sitting up in bed, and Mick was like comforting me. And I, as I came to, I remember being very frustrated because I was trying to explain my dream, and it was really important. And it was all slipping away from me. And I think I even said to you, like, I can't remember. I'm starting to forget. It's all slipping away. No, this is this is what happens. I awake to Susan sitting bolt upright in bed. And what's up? What's going on? And she goes, I had a dream. And I said, was it like a bad dream? And you go, no, it was really... <sighs> and I'm like, was it scary? And you're like, no, it, it wasn't scary. It was like... And I said, was it weird? And you're like, no, it was... I said, okay, well, what's it, what was it about? Well, 
it was like it was like there had been a magical spell put on you that you could not tell me about this dream. It was insane. I just I lost it and I could feel it slipping away. But such is life. How about you, Dickinson? What you've been dreaming about? Well, um, I keep a dream journal. By the way, I do know this. Sometimes uh, Mick will wake up in the middle of the night and just be like. I can write this down and like roll over and grab his phone. If you, if, by the way, if you do not keep a dream journal, I highly suggest you do. I highly suggest you keep any type of journal, by the way. It's, it's amazing. I got a text while recording. So, um, I will put my phone on silent and burp at the same time. There's a couple of ones I want to share. I dreamt that in Cedar Rapids, if you are from the same hometown as me, you will know what I mean by the Hiawatha Hardies was replaced with a Nazi store. Uh, we protested. This is a while ago, by the way. <laughs> uh, we protested by running inside and TPing the inside of the store <laughs> and then running away. Uh, the cashiers weren't too happy about it. Uh, I also dreamt the same night, I believe, that you had your uh, magic spell silence dream. I had a dream where two of my students broke into my house, the, like our house, but it was our parents' house, of course, um, to steal our water heater. <laughs> and uh, I woke up to find them breaking, like having broken already into our house because they used radial saws to cut the like roof beams, not the <laughs> roof beams, but like the ceiling beams in my basement. I said, that's a really stupid way to take the water heater out. What are you doing? And then they kept me hostage and I had to go to detention with them. Did you tell those students about this dream? I told one of them. He's like, and his response is the same as mine in the dream. I wouldn't use a radial saw to take out of water. (laughs) He's one of those students. So it was pretty good. Anyway. So that was what dreams you have and what do you dream about? Uh, Now we move into the the paradox for Bibliovile that is Jamaica Me Dead. Susan, you didn't get me this book. Jake got me this book. And I have to say that if it weren't for your book, I would be really worried about Jake's book-finding ability, bad book-finding ability. Because we finally did it, we found a pretty good book in Bibliovile. And no. not, yeah, and not like one of those, oh, I guess it was pretty okay, or I didn't mind reading it. Like, this was a pretty good book. It could be a lot better, don't get me wrong, but pretty good book. I feel like after some of the books that you've had lately, you, you kind of deserve it. <laughs> you deserve to have an easy week. You you had a rough go of it there. Yeah, I uh, uh, had a rough time. I'm still holding on to the Ann Coulter book. I know. I know you have apologized and I have forgiven you. And the the tally has been wiped from the slate. But it still weighs on my soul. And yeah. last week for Sex, Lies, and Vampires, the book that defies explanation... There's impossible books, and then there's books that you can't explain. Like, Midnight Sins, you could do a, an alright job if it would take a while of explaining it, no matter how batshit and crazy it was. Two separate things. Mm-hmm. But Sex, Lies, and Vampires was inexplicable. It did not make sense, because you, you were never sure. Anyway. So, Jamaica Me Dead, which I'm still not convinced of the entire dang title, yeah. Because it's like Jamaica me crazy, Jamaica me horny, baby. It's my Austin Powers. It's timely reference. I thought I should do a timely reference for my wife. Oh, jeez. Is Borat a timely reference? Yeah, it's only like 10 years old. 
I think it's older than that. No, it is exactly 10 years old. I'm glad that you know that. Yes, I actually watched it on my way up to state basketball in the backseat of uh, loyal listener C. Barden's car. Hi, Charles. Uh, C. Barden, please. Hey, C. Barden. (laughs) So, who gets dead? Uh, A lot of people, actually. (laughs) A lot of people die. So, this book, the main theme I want to go over is that this book's setting, its plots, and or its plot and its characters are all good, and none of them should ever interact again. Its plot is good, its setting is fine, and its characters are okay. Like, there's a decreasing thing. And if any one of those three were different with each other, this book might work better. But as it is, this book seems disjointed and kind of ill-focused. Hmm. So this book... I'm going to spoil it. I was originally, at the beginning, I was very excited about it, as you could probably have told. Mm-hmm. Like, told, I was, like, looking at her, because her book, I'm sorry, spoiler alert, listener. Sucked. Sucked. She said, like, she hated this book on page four or something to that effect. And then I had to look up and say, like, oh, my book's actually looking like it's going to be pretty good. It actually, Bob Morris is a an Edgar-nominated author. I looked that up, what an Edgar is. And it's the Edgar Allan Poe Award for uh, excellence in mystery writing. So, like, so, that's that's a pretty big deal. Like, that's this a pretty guy big, uh, clearly yeah. can put together a story. And I mean, he has a critic or a critic blurb by none other than America's <laughs> humorist Dave Barry. Is he related to Lowry? <laughs> no. Uh, so, Jamaica Me Dead. By Bob Morris. It opens up in a Florida football game where the best terrible stories happen. Because mm-hmm. Florida football's awful. Um, and he's adding the main character whose name escapes me, which is not a good sign. <laughs> None of the names except for one really stick in. Uh, but the main character is at a football game with his wife. She is reading a book because she's... It's hinted at that she's British, but it's never really developed. This is the second book for this character, I do believe. Uh, she's reading a book and... oh. A woman reading a book at a football game. It's a whole thing. And then the main character's old football buddy, because the main character played football at Florida, along with this guy, comes down and he's like, hey, how's it going? I haven't seen you in a while. Lol. And why don't you come up to the press box? I want to introduce you to this wild and famous resort owner. And the main character's wife writes for a travel journal. So it makes sense. All of these relationships and motivations and decisions all make sense. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I'm specifically calling that out really speaks to the quality of bibliophile books we usually go in. Where none of those things ever cross the mind of the author, let alone make <laughs> sense. Oh, I was supposed to be writing a book. Characters are supposed to have motivations <laughs> for things? I just thought people arbitrarily did things that made no sense. Well, they're shifters, so it's in their blood. <laughs> um, so the wife wants to go up and meet this resort owner, you know, because she writes a travel magazine. Maybe she's get an interview or whatever. So they go up. And they discover that inside of this office suite, the owner of this resort uh, can't get off his chair because there's a bomb fashioned to the underside of it. I was like, hot dang, we are off to a pretty fast clip. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty explosive start. I don't get it. Because there's, there's a bomb. Oh, nice. I was thinking that this story was going to be a bomb. Um, but the way that I could tell it was going to be a pretty fast clip was the fact that I was in chapter four by page, I think, eight, nine. 
Yeah, you had some short chapters. I did have some really short chapter. Uh, the first chapter was four pages. I actually was like really worried that the entire book was going to go into the hundreds of chapters. Chapter seven, I have a specific note, started on page 23. That's quick. Yeah. A quick clip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, it only gets up to 87. It does not reach 100 chapters. I I had set a goal for myself over the weekend that I was going to try to read five chapters in one day. And Mick was like, I'm going to try to do that too. And then 10 minutes later, he was like, I read five chapters. <laughs> so rude. She was like, I'm going to read a chapter, do a chore. Read a chapter, do a chore. I was like, I'm glad I didn't do that. I would never get done with this book. <laughs> But our apartment would be spotless. <laughs> anyway, he gets up to the, the press box. Uh, they call in the bomb squad. They try to defuse the bomb. They It goes off. but And they have they have uh, uh, evacuated the stadium at oh, this point. Okay. The bomb is not an actual bomb. It's like a bunch of squibs. It's like a warning bomb. And yeah. So the owner plays his cards close to the vest slash chest. Uh he does not want anyone, to, he doesn't tell anyone why there's a bomb under his seat, but we're led to believe he's got a pretty good idea. His son is running for parliament in Jamaica, hence okay. the name. That is where the, the uh, resort is also. And so Monk, the, the friend mm-hmm. of the main character, Monk asks, hey, I'm going to need some help. You can see that this dude's in trouble. He's gone into some bad characters or whatever. You should come down with me. We'll run security at this re- resort in Jamaica. Okay. Are they, like, security people? I don't know what his job was. The monk had been in the army and the NFL and kind of bounced around jobs. The other dude in the first book was, like, some people died and he gained access to a lot of gold and then didn't tell the IRS about it. And later in the book, he's blackmailed for it uh, by the the DEA. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Blah, 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 blah. They get to Jamaica. Uh, Monk goes, hey, you go pee. You just got here. I'm going to go start my car. And he goes across the the parking lot and the in, like half of the parking lot blows up oh shit and does so, monk die yeah monk's dead Aww. uh and so then now he's in jamaica and he wants to solve this this death and he feels obligated to protect them he actually likes the politician's son that's running for parliament because he's being he's a white dude in jamaica and so they're like most of the opposition is like he's a white dude whose dad is a tourism operator us jamaicans need to re- like resist this sort of thing uh, but he's like building homes for mostly homeless people and improving water quality. And so you're led to believe that this is a, a good character. I'm going to tell you, he is. There's not really too many unredeeming qualities about it. Uh, by the way, I believe, Sue, you and uh, you focused on a, a more uh, social justice kind of grad program. Yep. Do you have a major question for me at this point in the story about Jamaica and the people he runs into? Um. I mean, I I do kind of want to know if the book is super racist. It's not super racist. Yeah, but it's a little problematic. Every once in a while, the ja- the uh, not Japanese, the Jamaican characters, uh, especially like the driver and some people that they'll run into in the streets, they'll be like, "Oh, man, everything's sorry. And I don't know what Bob Morris looks like, but it was kind of like, and they believe in duppies, and they very mystic. And so, you know what? I've never been to Jamaica. That might be a very accurate portrayal of, like, common beliefs or whatever. I I doubt it. I highly doubt it. But he does portray them as being people, which is good. They're not... a step up. Yeah, they're not just props. The biggest social justice problem with it is that the the hero is a white guy. Mm. The villains are a white guy. 
and the Jamaicans are just sort of around. Yeah. And it's like, is that better that it's not a white guy hero, Jamaican guy villain, or is that worse that Jamaicans can't even be the lead in a story that takes place on Jamaica? (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, so Monk's daddy's solving these issues, and the one biggest problem I had was that he falls kind of ass backwards into everything. You would want a detective mystery novel type thing. He's not really a detective, but he's taking on that role to be a more active participant. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's not, he isn't, and he doesn't. Uh, he eventually figures it out, but it's extraordinarily easy. I called it the page monk dies. They're like, here, here's monk's wallet. Everything else in the area was vaporized. Here's his wallet. Here's a Super Bowl ring. And you're like, dog, why isn't the wallet vaporized? Why isn't mm-hmm. the Super Bowl ring vaporized? It's monk. He's still alive. He's the dude behind it all. Page like... 25 (laughs) and so i had to read through the whole book wondering when monk was going to show back up and i never really the only time i ever like kind of didn't believe it was going to happen was the fact that there was a memorial service for him back in the states or whatever comes to pass that uh there's like a multi-layered crappiness to jamaica where monk wants to or is working with department of homeland security agents to blackmail people who have previously been found guilt like have investigations into their money laundering Mm -hmm. and so they blackmail them into giving them a cut of the money laundering still working as a part of the american government and so the actual money launderer the like the criminal the money launderer i will say is like morally gray the whole time and Mm -hmm. like well let's go after the dude who's killing people not the dude who's like financial criminal or whatever so that's kind of interesting Everything about this book was not bad. I don't want to say it was. Uh, and so they, they Monk comes back. He kills the two DHS uh, uh, agents, and he's going to take off with the $5 million that he's stealing from the money launderer, who, is, who by the way, uh, international money launderers are probably not the best people to be stealing from, even mm, if you no. are supposedly dead. Uh, but he captures the hero and uh, uh, agent from the DEA, puts him in the back of a car, and then somebody else saves the hero. And so it's like, why did we need you here? <laughs> like, what did you do for this story other than to tell it? Uh, the, the biggest problem I have for the entire story, like I said, is that characters, the plot, and the setting don't match up. If the characters in the plot were in Arizona or something, that'd be fine. It was kind of weird that everyone was dying, but our main character is still kind of like sarcastic and flippant, Mm -hmm. but that's kind of an archetype of the mystery genre or whatever. Uh, if it had just been the settings and the plot, there's like political intrigue and kind of like gang violence and a lot of people dying in, uh, Jamaica and the whole resort that the dude runs is like this freaky deaky, go away from your like humdrum life, have Mm -hmm. a bunch of sex at this resort kind of thing. And so it would have been played very interestingly that way. But the thing is that the character, the main character is like this devoted monogamous dude. He's not married, but he's like monogamous. And although I would never ask to read an erotic fiction novel, if there was going to be an erotic fiction novel... That would have been a good setting. That would have been a great setting. Like, I'm here to solve this mystery, but I keep getting distracted because I'm boning all these ladies and everything. Mm -hmm. Like, imagine like a James Bondish kind of character that just lays waste because there's all these women who have come for this purpose i want i want to lay that out they also having are engaging in this sort of thing but like that he's trying to solve this mystery at this sex resort 
and like just keeps boning women or maybe one of the women's involved in it but he's boning her the whole time mm. like if we're going to go that direction i think the setting would have been way friendlier to that sort of direction in the novel than that than, character yeah 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 the character would have been a lot friendlier than like oh got my got my long-term girlfriend everyone's asking me when i'm gonna propose lady back home yeah can't uh, can't go in for this whole boning thing and there's like two women constantly throwing them at it, themselves at him, which is a little bit of a running joke, which I can appreciate, but got a little tiresome by the end. Uh, so if they could just like iron out, tell this story in a with a different person, and it's three times as good. Yeah. If a little bit grosser, I admit, would have been a little weird. And then the whole lots of people die in this book. People get shot. People get blown up. It's a whole thing seems a little gratuitous yeah especially with the uh the the flippancy one one trope that i have realized how much i dislike lately is the the non-detective who becomes a detective yeah like i think like it has to be a very particular kind of book for you to be able to pull that off yeah and i like it just most of the time seems like, why are you getting involved in this thing? There are people whose jobs it, it is to solve things. If you, yeah, like, you really need a really good kind of plot hook for this adventure. Mm-hmm. I know we say a lot about D&D, but like, you need a good plot hook to have a reason that this non-detective starts detecting things. Yeah. And this one didn't have quite as good of a reason. And I think it even it gets even worse when they're not good at it. Like the yeah. the, the trope of like, oh, this, you know, Joe Blow who stumbled onto a this, mystery uh, and just food keeps critic. as you yeah, exactly, as you put it, like keeps falling ass backwards into solving it. Solving it. Like that's not that fun because it's been done so many times yeah it's the i people didn't like the martian because the mars was really pretty mars was really pretty in that movie people liked the martian because matt damon was competent at stuff yeah he just like had a problem and then he solved it and we enjoyed watching him solve it mm-hmm. and so to have a detective novel where the detective doesn't detect if is really frustrating. Like, detect something. Mm-hmm. Figure this. I figure this out on page four. Yeah. What are you doing? And like, there are also hundreds upon hundreds of novels, or a lot of them wind up being a series of like the really good detective who solves mystery after mystery. And like, I get that that can get boring, and that's probably why the novice detective trope came up. But like. I think those books exist for a reason. At least it's like, here's a character who's doing his job. And, and at the very least, it's kind of like a riddle. Yeah. Where it, even if Sherlock is like, oh, you have a drunk ex-girlfriend who gave you this phone, like in mm-hmm. the pilot episode. And then the fun thing is, is that then they're like, oh, I could tell it was a drunk person because the charger is all scratched. And you're like, oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's not an orangutan through the window. It's a, I see these things in the scene that you don't see. Yeah. And those books are fun because then as you read them, especially the ones that are a series, or really you, good. you try to pick up on like, oh, what little clues are going to matter? Yeah. And you try to solve it along with him. But like the, the, I'm incompetent and I don't know why I'm here. And oops, I solved a murder. Like it yeah. just, it just gets old. Yeah. Speaking of getting old. 
I emotionally aged 30 years while reading this book. I was going to say uh, uh, urban fiction, urban fantasy, but that works too. We are getting old from this. Um, you ever see Raider? You've seen Raiders of the Lost. No, Last, Last Crusade. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Mm, I I've know only... for a fact you've seen this. Okay. You saw it two times in a row. Okay, yes, I've seen it. Because that was that one that was on USA when we were in Cedar Rapids. Oh, yep, yep, And then yep. we watched it again to riff on it the entire time. Yep, I've seen it. Anyway, I have Susan, seen. when it comes to this book, you chose Polly. I didn't I watched choose. you age. I know, but I watched you age like Jake. the Nazi in that movie. Your hair grew white and you're... Jake, why did you do this to me? Oh, I just love Ugh. the Grimrose path. As if Primrose wasn't bad enough. Nick wrote a note on my notebook for this book. Um, I had sat down. I started reading this book. And shortly afterwards, I looked at Mick and I said... I fucking hate this book. Language. And Mick came over to me, and he took the book out of my hands, and he looked to check what page I was on, and then he wrote it down. I was on page seven. <laughs> I think this book is Midnight Sins level bad. Like the OG Midnight Sins, the first one. Midnight really? Midnight Sins one. Uh, uh, Laura so, Lee's Midnight Sins. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. Mm, yes. Uh, Mick? Well, really? I do. I do. The only thing that makes Midnight Sins worse. Okay. Because I said it's almost Midnight Sins. Okay. Level. The only thing that makes Midnight Sins worse is the, the copious amounts of gross sex scenes. This book does not have any sex scenes. Everything else about it is terrible and awful and offensive and I hate it. And I'm, I was sad. I got sad reading this book. I got more angry looks when I would, like, look over from my computer or whatever, and Sue would just be staring at me. Just. And you didn't even pick this out for me. You were furious. just the receptacle for my rage. Well, despite all that, I'm still just a receptacle in the cage. Probably. It's just... <laughs> so... This book starts a lot of things, and none of those things go anywhere. So it's like it was written in, in the new year. It's trying to zag on you, but it doesn't come in. Yep, it's, it creates a lot of resolutions, and it gives them up all by January well, 7th. It, it doesn't create a lot of resolutions is the That's problem. That's the problem. That's the problem. <laughs> I wrote, my first note that I wrote was that the first page inspires no confidence. It has five-sentence words and a bunch of failed cliches like, life is a trick and the tricks are lessons in disguise and I'm a teacher. Like, she just crams so many metaphors. Wait, wait, wait. Life is a trick and the, trick in, the tricks are lessons in disguise mm -hmm. and I am a teacher. Uh-huh. So she's tricking people? Yes, because she, our main character, whose name is Trixa... <laughs> Is a trickster, no. and she owns a bar named Trickster. Mick is gone now. He curled up into an infinite ball, and he is no more. I'm over here. Trixa from the bar Trickster no. is a trickster. No, silly rabbit. Trickster for kids. Trickster for kids. Does she does she open an orphanage and call it Trixa for kids? No. Does she shift into a rabbit? 
No, but she is a shifter. No. But it gets better. She is a shifter, but because of the events of the last book in the series, yeah, she's gotten her... Yeah, last book in the series, good call, Jake. She's gotten her shifter powers taken away <gasps> from her for five years. Oh. Her and her friend Leo, who goes by lion. Leo, but he's actually Loki, the Norse god. What? Yes. Loki, the Norse god, had all his powers stripped away because he was trying to help Trixa in whatever happened before. And so now both of them are living as humans, running the bar Trixta, and trying to get through life without all of their powers. Um, but he's like the Norse god Loki that like okay. tried to destroy the world. I'm going to I'm going to do a new experiment, and that is to rub the microphone on my face so you can you can hear the expression I'm giving Sue right now. I think that's a very good loofah. You're going to get all like your dead skin cells in there. I think loofah is the perfect onomatopoeia for how I'm feeling about this book. You Luf- didn't have to read it. Loofah? Loofah? I had to fu? read this. I had to read 321 pages of this nonsense. Loki is the sidekick, the Norse god of trickery. Yeah. Thor is Maker a minor of character. The mask. <laughs> Thor is a minor character. Um, Thor still he really has, hammers it up. He still has all of his magic god powers. Because he didn't assist him. But he doesn't really use them a whole lot anymore. He mostly just hangs around with the Norwegian volleyball team. Well, naturally. That and, makes sense. And uh, he's kind of a drunk. If I look like Chris Hemsworth, I would hang out with the Norwegian volleyball team. I would, too, if I looked like Chris And also, Hemsworth. of course, he's a drunk. He's a Viking. Yeah. At that, least it's that gets consistent. Played up a lot. Yeah. Except, so Loki is in a different body, and so he looks like a Native American man. For why? Nope. No, okay, well, I'm proud to announce Bibliovile Video, because this can, this audio medium cannot possibly contain the faces Susan is giving while telling me this story, and also the faces I am giving Sue while she's talking. It's just the literal worst thing. I, I, I don't even know. I, I can't. I can't even handle it. This, how did this get published? I don't know. It doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense. None of it makes any sense. The plot doesn't make any sense. The characters don't make any sense. Wait a minute. You the said, writing doesn't make any sense. You said this book was ass and asses make a lot of sense. Good joke, Mick. Thank you. It's a good joke. Thank you. So, I mentioned before that this book starts a lot of things and doesn't finish them, and so to really drive that point home, I'm going to attempt to explain to you the plot. (laughs) Okay. So, Trixa doesn't have any of her powers. Yeah. But normally when she does have her powers, tricksters like to trick humans, So. and then they also like to, for funsies, kill demons oh for funsies for funsies um and and similar to my last book that i read there are different levels of demons Ooh, mm-hmm. does this go up to 10 i don't know what it goes up to but we do meet uh, a very high level demon his name is eligos are you sure it's not demo much like trixa is the female trickster yeah <laughs> no his name is eligos he also goes by eli does he do illegal things 
most of the time, yeah. And Eli, well, he's a demon. What else is he going to do? Uh, does he lie on the internet? No, those are trolls. And he's an Eli. Oh, haha. Because the book's in the same. I don't know if you're picking up what I'm putting down. Are terrible. Yeah. So Eli seeks out Trixa because he wants her help even though he hates her and they're sworn enemies. I think he must have been a character in the previous book. Mm. But he enlists her help because he needs her to figure out what is killing all the demons. There have been an, an, an irrationally high number of demons that have been killed lately. 900 of them in the last three months. And he's trying to figure out why. My question, if Trixa kills demons for fun, why does she care if a bunch of them are dying? I did pick that out from the back of the book when I read it upon first viewing. Yeah. Why does she care? Yeah. Uh, she just hates demons. I don't even... Trixa offers demons involves heavy weaponry and hard to remove blood stains. But there's something even deadlier than fallen angels. It has slaughtered almost a thousand demons in six months, and the killing isn't going to stop unless Trixia and her friends step into the fight. Another... Hey, is this like a, like a competition? Like, you can't kill demons. I'm going to kill the demons. Not really. And then the other reason why you would especially think she wouldn't care that all the demons were dying is that several demons kidnap one of her friends who's an ex-demon, and they almost kill him. I'm sorry. An ex-demon. An ex-demon. He's like a reformed demon. He went through demon rehab. It's called Eden House. And he's a he's an ex-demon, and now he teams up with Trixa to do I don't really know what. But the demons capture him because he's been going off and trying to kill demons on his own to make up for the actions that he did when he was a demon. And then they catch him, and they almost kill him. But Trixa and Loki, whose name is now Leo, and then another guy named Zeke, who's an ex-angel, who's boning the ex-demon. Um, the ex-demon's name is Griffin. They go and they save Griffin. And then we spend a lot of time in the middle in the hospital while Griffin is recovering. But you would especially think that after they almost kill her friend, that she would especially want all the demons to die. You know? What? <laughs> right? All of this is insane. Now, do you understand why I was furious the whole time I read this book? <laughs> what? Sue, uh, by the way, do you want to start a band called Eden House? That's the only thing I got out of it. <laughs> I know, no. No, because I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with this book. So... An ex-demon and an ex-angel are boning. Yeah, like that's kind of fun. And... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like they're like together. Oh, good. Like partners. Yeah. Oh, nice. I don't know. We can move on from there because it's not super relevant to the plot, <laughs> even though we spend like eight chapters in the middle of the book on it. So, Trixa. Don't. Trixa. <laughs> How is her name finds, Trixa the Trickster? Finds a medium. How did that get beyond first revision? Trixa finds a medium who helps her figure out what's happening to all of the demons. And she finds out that they're being killed by the Titan Cronus, who's killing them and stealing their wings because he needs a thousand demon wings 
to create a map of hell so that he can take over hell. And then once he's taken over hell, he's going to take over heaven. And then he's essentially going to try to take over all of the realms. So Trixa needs to get on the side of the demons to prevent him from taking over hell so he doesn't take over everything else. So now they're all on the same side. He needs... A thousand demon wings. To, like, make a wish, right? It's like paper cranes. I don't know. He needs... It's never really explained. A thousand demon wings to make a map of hell. To find Satan. So the wings have, like, some sort of a hidden network of veins Your on them? Your guess is as good as mine. And Satan, the... the normally Lucifer. Lucifer, yes. During the morning star, the fallen angel. Yes. Uh, Beelzebub. To... No, those are two separate people. Beelzebub is a different character. In this book? Yeah. Oh. Anyway, like primarily portrayed as the king of hell is a hard man to find. Yes. Jesus. No, he's not a character in this book. Lucifer is not in there? No, Jesus is oh. a character in oh, this book. Oh, God, I was almost um, So, well, we don't actually ever meet Lucifer. Like, we talk about him, but he's never actually a character. Well, he goes by Lucy, and he's a small uh, Asian woman <laughs> with big feet and dreadlocks. Because you just keep, like, every character that has an appearance is apparently not that appearance anymore. Well, so earlier in the book, we meet a woman named Anna, and Anna has sold her soul to a demon, and now she regrets that decision. Naturally. So she goes and asks Trixa for help, and Trixa can't help her because she already sold her soul, and so as soon as she leaves Trixa the bar, she steps in front of a bus and she dies. And so... She's an anteater. Trixa feels very badly about this, and so she tries to play a trick on Cronus... And not on Cronus. She tries to play a trick on Hell. Um, and so she tells them the that the, re- the reason that Cronus is killing all the demons is because one of the demons stole the soul of a woman that he loves and her name is Rose. And so she suggests that they free all of the women whose name is Rose or like Rosita or Rosa or Rosanna, which is the full name of Anna, the girl. So, like, the demons release all the souls of anyone whose name is anything remotely related to Rose, thinking that it will, like, placate Cronus, and then this frees Anna's soul, so now she can cross over. Rosanna. Yeah. Not a name. Not really, no. And even if it was, you would not go by Anna. No, you would go by Rose. Bring, bring back Rosanna. So... It's a sitcom about blue-collar families. It starred Rosanna Barr. Is that what it was called? No, it was called think... Roseanne. Okay. It starred Rosanna Barr. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, Rosanna Barr? Rosanna... Was the bar named Rose, Trixa? Roseanne was in a bar with Dan so... Aykroyd, or... John Goodman. So after all of the roses are freed and and I love that album. Cronus still keeps killing all the demons and stealing their wings. Eli gets mad at Trixa because he figures out that she lied to him, and then they're still trying to figure out why Cronus is stealing all the demon wings, and then they they figure it out, and then it's whole plot, and now they're on the same side. And then in order to kill Cronus, 
they have to break into a museum in LA and steal a mold for a weapon and they have to enlist the help of Thor but he's super drunk all the time and then they have to send someone into one of the hells to get so, a pitcher of water and then they have to pour it into the mold and then they create a so knife I'm made of water. I'm worried about you. I'm worried about you. I oh. need to expel all of this energy. Okay, I thought you had some sort of like spell or trance over you that made you unable to like you were just going to I keep... just want to be done talking about this book. I don't want this book in my life anymore. We had talked about on our 20th episode if we were going to do another like another repeat of like pick the worst books you've had to read in the last 10 episodes and the other has to read them. I don't think I can do that because then I would have to listen to you talk about this book and I I can't. I can't. It doesn't make any sense. No. And you want to know what else doesn't make any sense? The writing. Not only is the book in its entirety incomprehensible, but the way that it's written is also incomprehensible. Because remember how I mentioned metaphors? Yeah. Metaphors. It's like metaphives. There's so many metaphors. And the sentences are all five words long. And she tries to be really like Gilmore Girls chatty and fast Oh, God. It's insufferable. Here's a paragraph. I just picked a paragraph at random. But mine were always with good reason. I was justice. Eli was only Hannibal Lecter crossed with a T-Rex. A sociopathic carnivore. No, no. I killed the wicked if necessary. He would kill anyone and anything, but he was gone before I could tell him so. Not that I would have bothered, and not that he would have cared. No, I wouldn't have bothered, and he wouldn't have cared. But I would have cared a little. What? No. Stop you it. You contradict yourself three times in one sentence. Stop it now. Not that I would have bothered and not that he would have cared. No, I wouldn't have bothered and he wouldn't have cared. But I would have cared a little. What? I, okay. Uh, anyway, you can find us on Twitter. My name is at because I have lost, I've listened to this book and I've gone dead behind the eyes. I cannot imagine how I had to be to read this. I planned on not finishing this book. I, I had, like, had it all planned out. I was gonna, I was gonna like lead you into asking me about the ending, and then I was just gonna like bullshit a bunch of stuff and see if you would buy it. That that was actually how I the book ended. I could not imagine it'd be worse than your actual summaries. It probably, it probably couldn't have been. So, I don't think it could have been worse so, than the actual book. So how did this book actually end? I read the end. They kill, they killed Cronus. Naturally. The whole action scene where they kill Cronus that we've supposedly been leading up to the whole time takes four pages and then it's over. And then she goes to Leo slash Loki's apartment. And then one of the angels tries to kill her, but a bunch of other angels stop him. And that's not super explained a whole lot. What? But it takes like 16 pages to get through it, which is four times the amount of pages that we spent on the actual rising action. I do want to say that Sue every so often would look to me and just like show me where in the book she was, just visually. Not even read the page number, just show me by the like the amount of pages to one side versus the amount of pages to the other. And just go... The plot hasn't started yet. The The actual plot probably started 
three quarters of the way through the book. Oh, God, I'm exhausted and listening then, like, to this. In the end, she's like, being a human isn't so bad. It makes it more satisfying when you beat the bad guys. And then the book is over. Thank goodness the, the book is over. That's the best part of the book. When it's over, I might, yeah. I might set this book on fire. We might have yeah, to have a bonfire. We own this book. Thank you, Jake and Amy. I now own this book. I have to exercise this demon from my home. I think we need to have a bonfire this summer so I can set this book on fire. Well, you know, one of our listeners uh, is pretty prominent in Indiana, and Rob Thurman lives in Indiana. You can visit her website. Rob Thurman, by the way, is a red-headed woman. Very surprising. Don, I need you. Don is our listener who lives in Indiana. Don, I need you to find Rob Thurman. And I just need you to to take this book and just bring it to her. And I need you to ask her. Why? 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 Why, Rob? Why did you do this, Rob? Because it's the only thing you can't replace. It's time. I will never get those hours of my life back that I spent but reading this okay, book. Okay, I will I will point this out. This is a good time to ask and maybe Sue doesn't have the same feelings as I do about this. But people ask us why are you guys so amazing? And I you know there's a lot of answers. But a second question that they ask us is why do you do this? Why do you spend your hard-earned time hard-earned time uh, reading bad books, books that you know are bad and you aren't going to like them. And I think this book might be a pretty good time. Sue, so why do we do this? How do you feel right now? You know, I I feel better because all this like tension and rage has been building up. And then I just got to shout for probably the last 35 minutes about how terrible this book was. A little bit louder now. It's pretty cathartic. A little bit louder say. now. Yeah, it's, it's like... It's good. It's like putting... Hmm. It's... It's like yeah, exercising it's your demons. A little bit, except the demons are ex-demons, and they're actually living in Meskwaki, uh, Wisconsin, and they work a day shift at the Home Depot. I'm trying to write like your author. Apparently, I'm not Oh, okay. Um... It, I would describe it kind of like you're chopping down a tree where you just keep swinging and keep swinging and the actual act of chopping down a tree with a hand axe would be really difficult and you get a bunch of blisters. But then you look and then you're like, I chopped down a tree. And then you get to yell at everyone like, I chopped down this tree, my hands hurt so bad. See, the metaphor I was going to use is, you know when you have a whole lot of groceries in your car and you're like, I really want to get these all up in one trip. Mm. I don't want to make two trips but it's really too much for you to carry. So you load them all up and it's really heavy and your arms hurt and you're afraid the bags are going to break, but you make it to the door and you get the door unlocked and you put down all the groceries. Nothing breaks. You got them all up in one trip. Except you forgot the eggs. No, you didn't forget the eggs. You got them all there and nothing fell out and broke. That's what it feels like. Like, this was stressful and I didn't like it and it caused me a little bit of physical pain. But now I don't have to make a second trip down to the car. Nice. I was just going to say it's like popping a zit. That, that works too. That's gross, yeah. But, yeah. um, well, we got like 10 minutes left. What's up? I mean, 
the world is about as big of a dumpster fire as my book. Shoot. Yeah, that's true. But that's fine. I do want to pose a question to, to our to... loyal listeners. Oh, only our loyal listeners. Disloyal listeners get the hell out of here. Yeah. No, you can answer too. Yeah, so, we love you. For for episode ten of the podcast, which was our our anniversary episode, we we each picked the worst book we'd read so far and swapped. I read Midnight Sins, Mick read Choosers <laughs> of the Slate. Yeah. And so we're gonna be coming up fairly soon ish. Yeah, pretty soon ish on twenty. And my question that I would like you all to like tweet, tweet at us, at us yeah. with the answer is what should we do for episode 20 because we could do we could we could do the same thing and do like pick the worst book or the most memorable book or whatever and swap there's pros but, and cons to that and we'll or, explain that at the end or we could do a sequels episode and here's the cons that I have for doing uh, for for doing the same as episode 10 and and doing the same books the reason I think it worked so well that last time is we that neither finish. of us had finished exactly. those books. That's what I was going to say. So there was a lot of new stuff that we, we could go over. We were learning, yeah. And I don't think in the last 10, it, if it was going to happen, it would have been this one. But we finished every book. Right. And we've also had, like, we had a couples episode. We had a good, a good books episode. So we don't have as much to choose from. Yeah. So I don't know what but y'all think. But tweet get... at us. Let us know. What would you like to hear? Because what are some sequels that would be fun that, that you would, would pick out for me? Oh, sequels shoot. to books you've read that you would make me read. Um, shoot. Midnight Sins. Yeah, Midnight Sins does have sequels, and I am not that terrible of a husband. The pros to a sequels episode is we get a little bit more explanation and get to inflict that bad writing out of mm-hmm. people. The con is that that really narrows our search down. But it could be sequels. I would say, I would say it could be sequels of any book we've read so far. Yeah, I Not know. But I mean, like, uh, now we're still in the same world instead of the new, crazy, awful world of anything. But yeah. anyway, um, if I had to pick a sequel, remember way back, it wasn't even that bad of a book, but it was just crazy go nuts. The Blackbird Sisters Mysteries. It was the one with the, the theater and the opera. And yeah. everyone's got, like, four babies and they collect them, like, yep. DVDs. I, pro- I might assign you a sequel on that. I'm not convinced yet. I'll have to go back and look through them again. But that was just the drama. And do you remember that one? Yeah. So it might be one of those. Or if I can find a Christmas sex book sequel. That could be pretty good. A New Year's sex book. I think for <laughs> Valentine's Day. And no, a, that's too good. A Hanukkah's seventh and eighth nights Ooh. Um, A St. Patrick's Day sex book. Well, that you, you can't write a St. Patrick's Day sex book. No one remembers. remembers. Hey! hey. Um, I think if I were going to get you a sequel, do you remember Crimson Veil? That was the book that I was just stoked to talk about because it was, it was bad Derek, shit. Derek had a shift at Jimmy John's. Derek shifted Jimmy John's, yep. Um, hey, I'm a demon. I'm an I, arts demon. I'm in Seattle. Yep. And Can then, I my band play your party? Let's go get some store books. Um, I might get you a sequel. There were like 25 books in that series, so I would have a lot to pick from. And there are some that are told from the perspective of other characters, which would be fun. Ooh. Or, Is one told from Derek's point of view? Or, I don't think so, but that would be really boring. You just hear about all his deliveries that then he made dude, on his bike. Then a dude open, like ordered a number nine, and I was like, oh, another Italian sub sandwich. 
So my other thought is that I would get you the sequel, one of the sequels to Dead Girls Are Easy, so we can figure out what happens with the twin sister. Remember the twin sister that was married to the love interest that was also her doctor? Terry Gary's Dead Girls Are Easy with Nikki Sticks, and she had a sister whose last name was Sharon, which aren't the same thing, but they're related. And so the guy was like, you must be twins, because they were both adopted. I want to know what happens with that. I'm so intrigued. So this is like Bachelor, the book. Yeah. We're both going for a drama. We are both going for a drama. I remember that book, but I do not remember the intricacies. It must have been. I will never forget. That was a great book. That must have been a a nighttime recording. Yeah, probably. Susie, this book sounds really interesting. This is crazy. I don't even know what's going on. It's, It's the whole thing. Anyway. I don't know what's going on in this book that we just talked about for an hour. Oh. But anyway, um, the intro music to our podcast is Babe of the Night by the band Elixir off of their album Rampant. We've got it down. Uh, you can find us online. I My name is Mick Dickinson in real life, but my online Twitter name, don't tell anyone shh, the secret, all 30 of you that listen to this, uh, is at Dickima, D-I-C-K-I-M-A-A. Dickie Ma. It was a randomly assigned university email that I enjoyed and thought was funny. Susan's Twitter address would be at Susan J. S U U U S A N J. You can read our blog posts, our written book reports, on the blog at opinionsandother.blogspot.com. Speaking of which, I should probably write that. Yeah, I should probably write it too. I don't even know what I'm going to say. Probably something like this. Um, all in all, guys, thank you for listening. If I could be that dude for a second, and if you think about it, like, just be cool for, like, two seconds, like, two seconds, if I could be that dude, tell someone about this podcast, please. Give us a retweet, give us a review on iTunes. Yeah, or, like, just be driving down the highway with a friend, and you're like, hey, shut up for a second. I've got these weird internet friends to show to you. Yeah. Yeah. Come Show on. We friends. named like we named like eight people to in this episode. You owe us. We mm-hmm. name you. You are ours. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> All of that. All that and more as it uh, on sixty minutes. So um, special thank you before we end to Jake and Amy for once the books. Again. Um, I might not talk to you for a while because yeah. you gave me the Grimrose path. If you are listening thanks. to this on Thursday, we'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. <gasps> Go Chiefs. Oh, oh wow, wow. hoping he's not listening to this. Good night, everybody. Good night. Love night, you. Man. Stop.